October 29th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola, and we are at the Fantasy Midway Point. We've got eight weeks down and heading into week nine. We have our fourth buy-sell hold report of the season hitting the website Wednesday morning. The week nine projections are live as we speak and as you're listening. But we have not only this week to plan for, Jared, it's really time to start lining things up for the stretch run, maybe even your fantasy playoffs already, depending on how your team's doing. We're going to hit on some favorable schedules that you might be able to leverage, but we're going to start by trying to sort out some of the messy backfields, uh, starting with the banged up crew for the Steelers. And of course, as we talk about this, we're less than four hours from the NFL trade deadline. So some of the stuff might change by the time we even have it posted up on the website, but the Steelers might have changes coming out of the Monday night game. James Conner hurt his shoulder late in the game. He's got what's believed to be an AC joint injury, probably a sprain. We'll see. It doesn't seem serious right now. Benny Snell hurt a knee. Jalen Samuels is on the way back, was inactive last night, but seems like he should be back soon. What what do you think of this whole Pittsburgh backfield at the moment? Yeah, I mean, Conner has been banged up all season. I mean, so this latest injury, like you said, AC joint sprain, um, Dr. David Chow expects – Connor to be able to play this coming week, but Connor's now dealt dealt with shoulder, knee, ankle, and quad injuries through what like seven games now. So I think Jalen Samuels needs to be owned pretty much in any league because I think you know he he's going to be the guy if Connor misses time. You know Benny Snell, I'm sure would also be involved a bit if that knee injury isn't serious. The the Steelers have the fifth easiest remaining strength of schedule for running backs according to our adjusted fantasy points allowed. Uh, metric. So, you know, whoever's getting the ball there, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be productive. So again, uh, you know, Connor expected, expected to be okay, but I think Samuel should definitely be, you know, a top year waiver wire priority this week if he's available. Yeah. The next time that James Connor leaves a game early, it will not be the first, second or third time this season that he has already done. So I agree. Jalen Samuels needs to be owned. And frankly, the way that team looks right now, there should be room for both of those guys many weeks, even if James Conner makes it through the rest of the season fairly healthy. And we'll talk about the Steelers a little bit more on that front in a few minutes. We talked about the trade deadline coming up, and trades have already, of course, happened. Yesterday's big one for fantasy purposes was Kenyon Drake going to the Cardinals. Honestly, I'm a little disappointed. We've known for a couple weeks that he was on the trading block. I was hoping he was going to go to Detroit I think that there probably could have been another one or two spots that was better that would be better for Kenyon Drake than Arizona. But Arizona's where he landed. We've got Chase Edmonds likely out for a few weeks with a hamstring injury. David Johnson missed week eight with an ankle. You know, we'll see how soon he's coming back. And they've got the Niners on Thursday night, so I'm not sure it's a great spot for anybody. What do you make of Drake as a Cardinal? Yeah, I mean, it's a crowded backfield. It's an interesting backfield. I mean, this has been a productive running game. The, the Cardinals are 13th in Football Outsiders adjusted line yards through seven weeks. And th- that to me is a testament to Cliff Kingsbury because, you know, the personnel on the O-line is not good, but he's been scheming up, you know, plays for this running game. Um, you know, for Drake, I agree. There were definitely better landing spots. Um, it's interesting this week. I mean, he, he's, you know, he, there's some opportunity, I guess, because, you know, David Johnson likely out chase Edmonds is out for that Thursday night game, but you know, how, how, how big a role is Drake going to be ready for, you know, three days after joining the team and the matchup with the 49ers is about as bad as it gets. So I I think Drake is is in play as like a running back three, if you're desperate, but, 
Um, you know, again, not a not a great spot to be making your debut. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably play him over Ty Johnson this week, who we'll talk about in a couple minutes. But it's going to be tough to like Kenyon Drake. And I think, based on what they have coming up, if you get a big performance from Kenyon Drake tonight, or I mean Thursday night, or really any Cardinals running back, it might be a good idea to, to look into a possible deal beyond the Niners on Thursday night. They are at Tampa the week after the Tampa Bay has been horrible against the pass, but excellent against the run. Then they go to San Francisco. Then there's a week 12 buy. So right now is not a great time to be relying on any Cardinals running back. Really the next positive matchup for a running back scoring on their schedule is all the way down in week 15. Yeah. Brutal schedule. Obviously lots of moving parts with all the, the pieces here now and the injuries. I'm just curious to see what, what the workload split looks like though, you know, especially down the stretch. I, you know, I've, I've been and still am a big Drake fan. I think, you know, he's been underutilized by Miami. Maybe I'm wrong. Cause it was, you know, two different coaching staffs that, you know, thought he was nothing more than a committee back. And I don't think he's going to be more than that in Arizona, but I'm interested to see how, how Kingsbury uses him. Cause he is a player I like. Yeah. And it, it is at least a good situation for PPR backs in that they'll get targets even if the rushing is rough against these tough upcoming opponents that we talked about right yep drake's in the final year of his contract right he is yep yeah so we'll see where he lands next season we'll move on though to the dolphins backfield that of course lost Kenyon drake heading into that pittsburgh game and mark walton in his wake played 87 percent of the snaps against pittsburgh the dolphins said right before the game that kalen balaj was going to start the game but Obviously, Kalen Balaj is nothing close to their starting back. He played 10 snaps in the game against Pittsburgh, three carries, one target. Mark Walton, as I said, played a ton, saw 11 of the team's 14 running back rushing attempts, saw six targets. That ranked third on the team, caught three of them for 19 yards. It was his second game of six targets within the past three and second straight playing at least 50% of the snaps. So, I mean, Mark Walton is the lead back for Miami right now for whatever that's worth. Yeah, I mean, I think the usage we got last night in that Steelers game is, is about what we should expect going forward. I mean, Kalen Blige just isn't good. I think Miami knows it at this point, so they're going to kind of see what Walton can do the rest of the way. It's obviously not exciting. There's not a lot of upside, but, you know, Walton, 17 opportunities last night, 15 opportunities the previous week. His PPR finishes now the last three weeks, RB26, RB33, RB35. So, again, you know, he's, he, he's not going to win a week for you, but if you're looking for – a running back three or a flex, especially in PPR, you know, I think Walton can at least give you a floor of like eight to 12 points. He's relevant. He belongs on a roster in 12 team leagues and he's relevant going forward. Yep. Only because running back is just so super thin. Right. They have the Jets this week. They're at Indianapolis after that. And then beyond that, two better matchups against Buffalo in week 11 at Cleveland in week 12. So there's not going to be a spot where I'm excited about Mark Walton, but those might be spots nope. where we consider using Mark Walton in lineups. Yep, I'm sure you'll find him around like, you know, running back 30 to 35 in our rankings the rest of the way. Kalen Balage, I'm treating as irrelevant outside of DFS showdowns going forward. What about you? Yeah, I mean, he you know, he's a goal line vulture for the worst offense in the NFL. So I, I know he scored a couple times, but you, just, you can't count on him for touchdowns on a weekly basis. Absolutely not. The Lions backfield let everybody down in week eight. Ty Johnson was not even the first guy on the field. Did lead, lead the team in snaps at running back. Played 25, which was 40% of the team's total against the Giants. Trey Carson played 19. J.D. McKissick, 16. Paul Perkins, 6. Carson led in carries, though, with 12, took those for all of 34 yards. Ty Johnson, seven carries for 25. Paul Perkins, three for four yards. 
targets was Ty Johnson, at least. He saw four of those to three for J.D. McKissick, none for any other running back. And, of course, he caught one of those for 13 yards. So, I mean, if you paid for Ty Johnson on the waiver wire last week, I- I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I- I'm I'm sorry, too. And we'll see. I mean, first first of all, we'll see if Detroit still adds someone. I mean, you know, we- we've heard Melvin Gordon's name tossed around as someone who might be on the trade block. I- I'm not sure the Lions are in a position to give away a lot for a running back. And we'll see, too. I mean, it- it's one game. You know, the usage might change. You know, none of these guys did anything to really earn a bigger role, but – um, you know, Ty Johnson's still the guy I'd most want to own, but I also would not want to be starting Ty Johnson in week nine. Yeah. Again, I would play Mark Walton over Ty Johnson. I, that's yeah. not, that's not a, a vote of confidence for Mark Walton. No, I, I yeah, it, it would easily be Walton over Johnson for me this week. Mm-hmm. The Rams backfield is not one we would need to worry about for week nine because they're on by, but uh, something to talk about coming out of week eight because Daryl Henderson out carried Todd Gurley 11 to 10 in their win over the Bengals. Now that's misleading because Daryl Henderson had nine of his 11 carries after the last time that Todd Gurley carried in that game. So Gurley clearly was pulled from a game that they were easily leading. Todd Gurley played two more snaps than Henderson for the game, despite leaving early. Also played a season low 52%, saw just one target, no catches. It was the second straight game for Todd Gurley with just one target. It was his fourth one-target game this season among the seven that he has played. Has scored touchdowns in four straight, though. He's now running back 18 across fantasy formats. I would certainly look into trying to trade Todd Gurley right now if I were the Gurley owner. Me too. I, I think that the Rams offense in general is a sell coming off these two games against the Falcons and Bengals where we, you know, we kind of expected them to bounce back. So you know, I would look into selling Gurley, look into selling Jared Goff. As for Daryl Henderson, I think for now he's still basically just a handcuff, but I wouldn't be surprised if he emerges as a standalone option down the stretch here. Henderson has a better overall pro football focus grade than Todd Gurley or Malcolm Brown. Daryl Henderson leads all 67 running backs with 20-plus carries in PFF's elusive rating. Malcolm Brown is actually sixth among those 67. Todd Gurley is down at 25th. And, you know, just just watching these last few games, I mean, Henderson is clearly the most explosive running back in Los Angeles. So I think if he can sort of earn the trust of the coaching staff a bit more, which it seems like he's done the past couple weeks and he hasn't made any glaring mistakes, I I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy who, you know, we can count on getting 10 to 14 touches a game over the second half of the season. Yeah, of course, the complicating factor there is that Malcolm Brown's been out over the past couple of games with an ankle injury, I believe it is. Yeah, We'll see if he's ready after the bye. He did not practice at all leading up to the Bengals game. So, I mean, again, we'll see how soon he's ready to play. We're going to have to wait and see what the backfield looks like once he is back before we know what we can expect from Henderson going forward. But Henderson is currently a guy I would be scared to send back to the waiver wire Ooh. unless I just uh, have a shallow, uh, unless I'm playing in a league that just has shallow benches. Yeah, I, I would try hard to, to hang on to Henderson through this bye week. And Gurley, I, I mean, you know, you, you might think who's going to want Gurley? He's not delivering after I drafted him at the one-two turn. But, mm-hmm. I mean, as I said, he is 18th across fantasy formats right now. He's scored touchdowns in four straight games. He's scored receiving and running. So it's entirely possible that you could put him together in a package and still get solid value coming back. Um, you know, get a get a running back who is is similarly underperforming for his owner, maybe something uh, that includes Le'Veon Bell. Right. I, th- I think Gurley's a guy that's definitely sellable. Like, I, I don't love him the rest of the way, but I also think, you know, he, he 
should probably produce as at least a running back two over the second half. So, you know, he, he's not going to kill you if he's in your lineup. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't sob if you're not able to unload him for anything. Yeah. The Bills backfield didn't do a whole lot against Philly, but we weren't really expecting them to do so. Devin Singletary dominated the playing time, though, kind of quietly dominated the playing time because he didn't get a ton of touches. 42 snaps to Frank Gore's 18. It was a 68% share for Devin Singletary. The carries went 9-3 to in Gore's favor. Targets, though, went 6 nothing in favor of Singletary. He caught four for 30 yards and a touchdown. It was the second time in his four games this year that Singletary has played two-thirds of Buffalo's offensive snaps. He left another of the games early, so we're still kind of waiting to see what his role is going to be, what they want to do with him. The two games that we have seen more Singletary playing time was a week one comeback victory at the Jets, and then what ended up being a lopsided loss to the Eagles, a team that's been tough against the run all year. So Mm -hmm. I don't know how much Singletary is going to get the ball when they get into a game where they're playing with a lead and running the ball more because the one time that they have had that game flow with a healthy Devin Singletary, it was his first game back after a multi-week hamstring injury. Right. I mean, what what we've seen so far, it looks like Singletary is the, you know, change of pace, pass catching, come from behind running back in Buffalo. Um, you know, he, he still hasn't topped 10 opportunities in a game yet this season. That could obviously change. I mean, you know, Singletary, a rookie, should be settling into the offense. Frank Gore, the veteran, you know, maybe he's going to slow down over the second half of the season. You know, Singletary, so, sort of like Henderson in L.A., uh, you know, Singletary just looks like he has more juice at this point. Um, you know, he, he's 12th among those 67 running backs in elusive rating. Frank Gore down at 48th. So I, I do think Singletary deserves a bigger role. You know, I, I think for now, um, especially this week in a nice spot at home for the Redskins, you know, he, he's in the running back three or flex mix. But until we see him getting more volume, it's kind of tough to elevate him beyond that. Right. He's more of a stash for now. He's somebody you can take a shot on if you're kind of in rough shape at running back this week. I would play him over Ty Johnson this week. Yeah, definitely. I think I'd even play Singletary over Mark Walton. That's close, though. I mean, Walton's safer with the volume, but I think Singletary has more upside. Yeah, I would probably close my eyes and throw a dart if those were my two to decide from. (laughs) Maybe I'd close my eyes and throw the dart at my own forehead. There you go. In Chicago, David Montgomery had a big game, which we didn't know was possible before yesterday. So now the question is, did he just break out? And what do you think? Did he break out or was it just a blip? I think that's clearly going to be his biggest game of the season. I don't think, you know, this Bears offense is set up to, you know, let Montgomery have these monster games. I do think, though, that Montgomery should be the focal point of the offense going forward. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky has taken a step back this season. Um, so it really should be, you know, a run based offense. Bears also have the eighth best remaining strength of schedule for running backs. That includes four straight positive matchups from weeks 13 through 16. So Montgomery, you know, definitely could be a guy who helps you through the fantasy playoffs if if the Bears will commit to him. He certainly should be at the center of the offense going forward. He should have been at the center of the offense more leading up to that game. It's not a breakout. It's kind of a, a sign of what is possible when they give mm-hmm. him the ball and let's hope that it's a nudge to the coach to give him the ball more consistently. We did at least get 11 plus carries for Montgomery in five of the past six games now, including week eight. He has caught two plus passes in four of the past five games. So that, you know, that awful game from, yeah. what was it? Two weeks ago now against the chargers, that is at least more of an outlier than the heavier workload games. 
Right, exactly. That 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 two carry game um, is definitely the outlier. So I think I think he's a guy we can count on for you know fifteen or so touches per game going forward. Yeah, he's a better Mark Walton. Yes, a better Mark Walton. I like that. Albeit in a still crappy offense that I definitely don't trust. But you know, you mentioned the schedule. They have Detroit up next, then at the Rams, then against the Giants. I'm sorry, after Philly, they have Detroit at the Rams against the Giants. Those are decent places. I, I, the the Rams matchup could be rough if the Rams are scoring points on them. The other two look like spots where David Montgomery will probably sit in the bottom of RB2 territory, at least. Yeah, I think once he gets past those, um, I guess that Rams game specifically, um, you know, he, he could be a buy because, again, that, that uh, schedule down the stretch the last three or four weeks is, is pretty nice. We're going to move away from ball carriers now, but before we do, I want to take a minute to talk to you guys about Manscaped. Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Jared, when you've been married as long as I have, you need to figure out ways to keep things fresh, ways to impress your mate. I'm not really the clean-shaven type, so I did not know the first thing about manscaping. Honestly, I didn't even know that the term only referred to the Southern Hemisphere. When I learned that, Got a little nervous. Fortunately, I got the perfect package kit from manscaped.com. Makes the whole deal so easy. I can highly recommend the Lawnmower 2.0. It's a trimmer that is 100% waterproof. It is safe to touch. It is quiet. It's safe to use on those sensitive areas. You know, you can have it in the shower with you. You won't have kids asking why dad has a toy in the bathroom. You can get away with it. You certainly don't have to be my age for this stuff to be important either. You don't have to have kids. Even if you have a baby face like Jared's, if you've only been married for a few years, personal grooming is going to help you impress whoever you're trying to impress. As a listener of the DS podcast, you're eligible to get 20% off and free shipping on all orders at manscaped.com with the code DRAFTSHARKS. That's no space. 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. So just head over to their website, manscaped.com, shop around, find the ideal package for you. Make sure you type in the promo code DRAFTSHARKS, all one word, at checkout. You can save yourself some money. Now, let's move over to quarterback where we got Drew Brees back yesterday in the Saints lineup, and he delivered big time, 370 yards, three touchdowns. So what do we do with Drew Brees going forward? Is he a QB1 at this point? He's definitely a QB1 over the next month. I mean, uh, Brees and the Saints going by here in week nine, but then three of his next four games come against the Bucks and Falcons. Um, th- those teams rank 32nd and 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. In between that, he gets Carolina. You know, t- tough pass defense, but Brees is also at home for that game. So you know, I think you know he- he's not as good an option there, obviously, again, as he will be against Tampa and Atlanta, but I, I think he'll be usable in that um, game against the Panthers. The last three weeks of you know most fantasy seasons, 49ers, I think he'll he'll be a no-go there. And he's home for the Colts in week 15. That's a good spot. At Tennessee in week 16 is okay. So, um, you know, I, I think Breeze is definitely a you know quarterback one the rest of the way. Maybe you'll want someone to use in place of him for week 14. Yeah, I would say if you have Drew Breeze right now, he's probably your primary quarterback the rest of the way. And that game against the Niners might be the only spot where you need to have somebody else to play in his spot. And I mean Drew Brees, when he's playing like Drew Brees, we can start against anybody, especially at home. So we'll see what he looks like when we get to that point. But I would I would plan as though you need a replacement there. Week 16 at Tennessee is interesting because the past couple of years, Drew Brees has not been somebody that we count on for fantasy numbers on the road. And Tennessee is a solid defense this year, but they also play the run a whole lot tougher than the pass. 
So if New Orleans heads to that game and they're not able to run the ball effectively, maybe we do get at least a solid Drew Brees game from there. You know, that that's way down the road. So yeah. we can't really judge week 16 right now. But I think overall, it's certainly plenty to say Drew Brees is my primary quarterback and I'll get, you know, a platoon option to have there with him. Right. I, I think if you own Breeze, you should be excited because I do think he's going to have, you know, the upside to, you know, really help you win weeks down the stretch in some of these better matchups. I also think, though, you probably want to roster another quarterback, maybe look at matchups, you know, especially in that week 14 game against the Niners. And then potentially, like you said, week 16 against Tennessee could be tough. Yeah, and we'll talk about some of the schedule stuff, but you can always check our Strength of Schedule page if you're a DS Insider on DraftSharks.com. It's adjusted for opponents, so it's not just points allowed. It's points allowed relative to opponents, so you can look at the current week. You can look at the weeks ahead um, to, to make whatever specific plans you need to for your team. Daniel Jones rebounded at Detroit yesterday. Had not been great in recent weeks, but threw four touchdown passes against Dallas. No, I'm not Dallas, Detroit. I'm looking ahead in my notes here. What, what do you make of Daniel Jones coming out of this game? Is he turned around or was this a matchup thing? Yeah, it was more about the Lions defense to me. I mean, they've been torched a couple weeks in a row now. Um, so to me, the bigger takeaway is, you know, play guys against the Lions defense. It was a fine bounce back performance from Daniel Jones after he really struggled the previous three or four weeks. Um, P- PFF had Jones 13th for the week in their passing grade. So, you know, sort of a middling performance. I would not want to use him against Dallas this week. I think maybe Jones is a spot start option the following week against the Jets. Um, He does have a couple of really nice matchups in weeks 14 and 15 um, at Philly and versus Miami. So if he's you know, playing well, if he sort of earned our trust, I think, you know, he, he's an option. So maybe, you know, maybe he's someone you, um, you know, pick up and stash if you're a Breeze owner, use Jones in week 14 instead of Breeze against the Niners. Yeah. So, I mean, if you use Daniel Jones yesterday, obviously right now, Daniel Jones and Drew Breeze owners feel about the same because either way, they got a big quarterback performance that likely helped them win week eight, but it's a very different situation going forward. If you have Drew Breeze, you're like, yes, I'm set at quarterback for a while. Maybe I'll need some help at at another point. If you have Daniel Jones, it's like that worked out. Now, what am I going to do going forward? Dallas is the sixth worst QB scoring matchup on the week nine slate. According to our, according to our current strength of schedule numbers, as you said, the jets matchup after that is neutral. You know, if Daniel Jones is your best option in week nine, I think it's possible that he is the best option for some teams. So I guess I wouldn't kill myself trying to find a replacement for him there. But I would try to improve on that situation going forward. As you said, then there's the Jets. Then they still have a buy ahead. They're at Chicago. They got Green Bay. So, you know, you mentioned those matchups well ahead. I think that's where you're looking for potential value for Daniel Jones. And, you know, like we said before, we'll see how things look at that point. We've got a bunch more games to watch him in, to see who is healthy among his receivers, see if Sterling Shepard is back in the mix at that point before we really yeah. know whether we want to use Daniel Jones in weeks 14 and 15. And before the Detroit game, he had four straight games of just one total touchdown. Right, exactly. I'm definitely not willing to fully trust him yet. And just pulling up our, our week nine rankings here, like Gardner Minshew, if he's available, would easily start him over Daniel Jones. Derek Carr gets that Lions defense. I'd play him over Daniel Jones. I'd play Sam Darnold over Daniel Jones, even though you know Darnold's been struggling. He gets that Dolphins matchup in week nine. Yeah, I think that I would make that move as well. Elsewhere at quarterback in Carolina, we still don't have Cam Newton ready yet. I, I believe that what Ron Vera said was that he's in the middle of his rehab. So yeah. it, it wasn't even like he said, 
We're hoping to have Cam back next week. We're sticking with Kyle Allen for now. That's what it's going to be this week is Kyle Allen still under center for Carolina. He had a rough outing. That's going to happen. Uh, they've got Tennessee this week back in Carolina. I think that's a decent spot for Kyle Allen. That That's never going to be a quarterback that I'm getting excited about, but Kyle Allen has a chance to deliver usable numbers in week nine. Yeah, I guess I'm less optimistic than you even. Allen's really had three straight rough outings now. Um, 56.6% completion rate over his last three games. 5.7 yards per pass attempt. He's 38th among 39 quarterbacks in PFF's passing grades over that span. So for me, Allen, just like a low-end quarterback too. Um, I, I did want to point out, he, he has been supporting DJ Moore these last three games. Um, 27 targets for Moore over that span, 18 catches, 202 yards. So despite Allen's struggles, I think, you know, I, I still feel good having more, you know, I think ideally as a wide receiver three, maybe even a lower end wide receiver two. Yeah. And I mean, just to be clear, Kyle Allen had 227 and two at Tam- against Tampa in London back in week six. I think it's possible that he gets to like that level. I don't think we're looking at a, a potential 300 yard game or anything against Tennessee. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I don't know, two, 227 and two doesn't impress me against that Bucks defense. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Else in Denver, all of a sudden, after Joe Flacco criticized the coaching following their loss, then we hear that he's got a neck injury that nobody had heard about during the game. And now we hear that Joe Flacco could miss five to six weeks. I mean, that's pretty close to ending a season. It does not mean it's Drew Locke time in Denver. Apparently, the rookie's not ready yet. Brandon Allen, however, is ready. He's stepping in. He is a former sixth round pick of Jacksonville. Back in 2016 out of Arkansas has not fared quite as well as the current sixth round pick for Jacksonville. Neeson in college, Brandon, Brandon Allen, he progressed throughout his college career, but the fact that he couldn't stick with Jacksonville when there was big time quarterback transition there makes me think that we're heading into probably a really rough patch for the Denver passing game and some excellent matchup yeah. for defenses against the Broncos. Yeah, I think this is going to be ugly. And we obviously haven't seen, you know, we haven't seen any Brandon Allen in regular season action. Um, Like you said, he he was really bad at Arkansas as a sophomore and junior. Did have a pretty nice senior year, completed 66% of his passes, 9.3 yards per attempt. Um, This preseason, though, 6.2 yards per attempt, zero touchdowns, three interceptions for Brandon Allen. Um, He was 64th among 89 qualifying quarterbacks in PFFs passing grades. So I'm not optimistic. I I think this is an offense that's already been revolving around its running backs. I think we probably see even more focus on Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, both on the ground and in the passing game. Cortland Sutton, I think was the only pass catcher we were interested in really in Denver. I think this obviously hurts him. I think, you know, he becomes more of a lower level wide receiver three in fantasy lineups. Yeah. If that, I mean, he's like Juju Smith Schuster with the new quarterbacks in Pittsburgh and Cortland Sutton's not as good a player. I wouldn't say as Juju Smith Schuster. So I I think wide receiver three fringe probably. And, you know, I I guess we'll wait and actually see Brandon Allen before looking too far beyond that. It's not a nice time to be owning pass catching pieces in Denver, but it's a good time to be uh, owning the Browns defense. And we'll talk about them in a few minutes. Yes. Emmanuel Sanders got out of Denver before they switched quarterbacks. He's in San Francisco. He saw five targets in his first game as a 49er, second only to George Kittle among 49ers in that game, caught four of them for a whopping 25 yards, did score a touchdown. 82% of the snaps Sanders played in that first game with San Francisco. That was eight snaps ahead of Debo Samuel for the lead among Niners receivers. This week is a positive matchup 
for the offense against the Cardinals. But the Cardinals actually show up as a neutral scoring matchup for wide receivers now on our strength of schedule page. And Sanders kind of continued his trend with this season of not playing as much in the slot. He only played one-third of his snaps with the Niners last week in the slot. If he's outside for two-thirds of this game, he could be looking at a Patrick Peterson shadow Thursday night. Yeah, so Sanders' Niners debut went better than I expected. I mean, I think he played more than I expected. He was more involved than I expected. We we did talk about um, how you know his OC in Denver came from San Francisco, so he should be pretty familiar with the scheme. I would still try try not to use him this week. Just you know, again in a second game with the team on a short week in this Patrick Peterson matchup. I, I do think you know Kyle Shanahan to me is one of the the best offensive minds in the game. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets Sanders in the slot more in this game just to get him away from Peterson. But you know that's sort of just guessing. So again, you know Peterson in play if you need him. I know you'll know, be at four teams on by this week, but I think ideally you wait at least one more week for using him for Emmanuel Sanders. You mean yes. Yeah, he would probably be right around the wide receiver three fringe for me. If I'm deciding between him and Cortland Sutton this week, I think I would go with Sanders because I trust the offense a lot more and the coaching staff a lot more. I agree with (laughs) you that, I mean, they got Emmanuel Sanders so that they they could feature him. They didn't get him so he could play one week and then he could be a decoy against Patrick Peterson the following week. So I think that they will probably scheme in ways to use Sanders this week, assuming his body is cool with playing a Thursday night game after a Sunday game. Cause I mean, Sanders has also been dealing with, you know, multiple little dings where wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if he's, if he's a little sluggish with such a quick turnaround, but you know, that, that's yeah. the range I would, I would say like low wide receiver three to wide receiver four. Yep. Yeah. I'm with you there. I, w- I would lean towards Sanders over Sutton. The Steelers wide receivers delivered probably bigger numbers than most people expected on Monday night. Juju Smith-Schuster, nine targets, caught five for 103 and a touchdown. A season high for targets from him. Second time in the past five games only that he has caught more than three passes. Deontay Johnson saw seven targets, caught five for 84 and a touchdown. What do you think for these two Steelers receivers coming out of that? Is there a brighter outlook for them going forward or was it just that they played the Dolphins? I mean, the Dolphins matchup was a lot of it. And we were talking this morning about some of those names that Miami's trotting out at cornerback. Just just un- unbelievable. That's an NFL team right now. But but Juju Smith-Schuster, he's been you know fairly productive with Mason Rudolph. He's gone, he's posted 75 plus yards in four of five games with Mason Rudolph. He scored in three of those five games. So, you know, Juju's not the elite wide receiver one you thought you were getting when you drafted him. But I think he's pretty much back to must start status now even if it's you know more as a higher end wide receiver too Deontay Johnson I was sort of all ready to call him a, a you know guy we can consider as a wide receiver three going forward now until you know you, you noted that James Washington played more snaps than Deontay Johnson last night and that 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 wasn't what we were seeing in the previous previous four games um, and you know Washington missed one of those but in the other three Johnson was playing well ahead of Washington so I was surprised to see Washington outsnap him last night so that makes me a bit more hesitant on uh, Deontay Johnson even though he's been productive over the last month now Deontay Johnson would be squarely in wide receiver four range for me he has in the five games since Ben Roethlisberger went down six six eight two and seven targets and the two target game was the Devlin Devlin Hodges one against the Chargers where they really just didn't throw the ball downfield at all Mason Rudolph was horrible last night. I mean, if they were playing anybody but the Dolphins, they would have gotten smoked in that game. So 
I'm certainly not excited about any Pittsburgh receiver coming out of that game. Uh, Deontay Johnson's touchdown was about as easy a 45-yard catch and run as you will ever see in an NFL game. I don't even know what anybody was thinking on the play that that turned that up. (laughs) To be fair, though, a couple of plays earlier, Deontay Johnson made an excellent catch on a sideline ball that got negated because of, you know, an offensive pass interference call. It really could have gone either way. Yeah, I would, you know, I would say, I mean, Mason Rudolph was, was horrible in the first half of that game. I did think he settled down and played okay in the second half. So that was, you know, I guess sort of encouraging going forward. Deontay Johnson has just vastly outplayed James Washington really all season. I mean, whatever, whatever it is with Washington, it just seems like nothing good happens when the Steelers target him. So Again, yeah, I would I would still bet on Johnson out snapping Washington going forward and definitely out targeting him. And I, I think yeah, I think he's at least a wide receiver for the rest of the way. Yeah, he's a guy to roster and and we'll see. There will be spots where you can play him. The schedule is all right the rest of the way. They have Indy coming up, then the Rams, then they're at Cleveland, at Cincinnati, home for Cleveland, at Arizona. The Bills in week fifteen are really the only truly negative passing matchup on the schedule. So, you know, Juju's fine. Deontay Johnson deserves a roster spot and we'll kind of see how things go, I think. And even the Bills only have like one cornerback that worries me. And I'm sure Tredavious White will spend most of that game on Juju Smith-Schuster, but it might be a decent spot for Deontay Johnson. Yeah, we'll see when we get to that point. Let's talk about some other schedules coming up though. Look for some guys that maybe can help us out more down the stretch than they have to this point. And I think we got to start this section with the Jets because we've talked about the schedule before. We've been waiting for it. And this week is when the portion that we've been looking forward to really starts. This week, the Jets are at Miami. And then going forward beyond that, it is the most favorable schedule in the league for quarterback scoring. It is the seventh most favorable for running back scoring. It is the second most favorable for wide receivers. It is the second most favorable for defenses. I mean, you can't feel great about Jets pieces right now after the past couple of weeks, but you do need to kind of reset your thinking on them because they absolutely could be season shapers the rest of the way. I'm not saying a Jet is going to win you your championship, but mm-hmm. there could be multiple Jets players that positively affect fantasy teams down the stretch run. Yeah, and, and Sam Darnold's play these last two weeks has obviously made this a bit more sketchy, but I... I I, I still believe in Sam Darnold. It's tougher to say now after what we've, we've seen the past two weeks, but I think I think this stretch of opponents too is really going to help him bounce back and get going. So, you know, I, I think Sam Darnold really should be a top ten option at quarterback this week. We have him, you know, at like fourteen or fifteen, so I think he is a spot start option in deeper leagues. I think Robbie Anderson is a starter this week. You know, I think Jamison Crowder, Demarius Thomas is sort of. I think he's flying under the radar. How much? volume he's seeing and you know he's he's you know giving you four or five catches a game so especially in this Dolphins matchup I think he's worth a look this week and going forward and then Chris Herndon um you know he, he's going to be back at some point he was limited in practice all last week ended up doubtful originally then was ruled out so um I think it's possible he comes back this week he's still a guy I'd definitely be stashing unless I own you know one of those top six or seven tight ends yeah, I think Chris Herndon's definitely somebody to stash going forward, and I think all those guys are in play. And it, I think it's still worth considering Le'Veon Bell. We've talked about him for a couple of weeks. His his uh, workloads have been disappointing in the game since Sam Darnold returned. But no matter how much we question Adam Gase's coaching at this point, at some point he's got to be like, yeah, my offense sucks right now. Le'Veon Bell's pretty good. We signed him for a bunch of money. 
I should probably start giving them the ball a little bit more. And that should be even easier as they play Miami and other teams where they're not trailing. Should be getting the ball a heck of a lot more. Um, you know, as of Tuesday morning, we're hearing, we're hearing these Le'Veon Bell trade rumors. I'm sure by the time you're listening, you'll you'll probably know that he wasn't traded. I'd be surprised if he went anywhere. Um, you know, that, there were all those reports back in the offseason that Adam Case didn't want to sign Le'Veon Bell. So it, it makes me worry a bit for his workload. And you know, I'm not saying he's going to disappear, but he's a guy that should be getting you know, 20 to 25 touches per game. And, you know, he's been closer to 15 touches the past couple of weeks. Now, rushing specific schedules, Washington pops to me as something that, you know, usually it'd just be like, ah, Adrian Peterson, no thanks. But they're at Buffalo this week. Then comes the bye. After that, Jets, Lions, at Panthers, at Packers, Giants in week 16. So for a team that wants to run the ball more and a, a veteran running back that has been solid since Bill Callahan took over, he's been I want to. I believe it was top twenty across formats for Adrian Peterson over the past three weeks. Uh, he's somebody to keep in mind and somebody to use in Week Nine. We'll see beyond that. Yeah, Peterson top five in both carries and rushing yards over the past three weeks. Um, and so yeah, I think he's definitely in play this week against a Buffalo run defense that is it honestly isn't very good. And you know, Washington should keep that game close enough where they can get Peterson, you know, fifteen plus carries. The the thing that complicates this beyond that bye week is Darius Geis is reportedly on track to return from that knee injury when he's first eligible in week 11. We'll have to see, you know, how the the Redskins treat Geis and Adrian Peterson. To me, if Geis is healthy, it would make sense to, you know, sort of make him the lead back and, you know, see what the kid can do versus giving the ball to Adrian Peterson in a, you know, totally lost season. I agree with that. And I I don't think saving Darius Geis for next year makes more sense to them than figuring out what they have in Darius Geis and whether they can depend on him for more next year or whether they need to reevaluate the position. Of course, beyond this season, Bryce Love should be a factor for them in 2020. So he's going to be somebody to stash in Dynasty right now before we get to that point, because that that's a high upside player once he's back all the way healthy. So if you have Adrian Peterson, I think you should feel better than you want to about him for Week 9. We'll see how he does in that one, and probably not a, a long-term answer. We'll see about the Darius Guy situation. The Broncos, we mentioned things are going to be bad for the passing game, maybe the offense in general, but Philip Lindsay has got a nice-looking schedule going forward. I, I would not buy him right now, I don't think, unless you really have spots to play with. Like If you're set at running back this week and you don't necessarily need to start Philip Lindsay, I might want to wait and see what the offense looks like now with Brandon Allen at the helm and whether mm. it's going to support anybody. But they have a week 10 bye, and then after that, from week 12 on, they're at the Bills, then home against the Chargers, at the Texans, home, at the Chiefs, and home against the Lions. I mean, those look like five straight starting weeks for Philip Lindsay, regardless of who's playing quarterback to me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the quarterback <clears throat> issue – Hurts the upside, just you know, just the touchdown upside for the entire offense, including Lindsey. Um, but again, it's, I think it's possible he actually sees a bit more volume with Allen under center. And I, I would, you know, too throw Royce Freeman into that mix. Who, you know, Freeman really his usage hasn't been all that dissimilar from from Lindsey. So I think Freeman, you know, can be a lower end running back too the rest of the way as well. I agree, and I mean it's possible that the switch from Joe Flacco to Brandon Allen really doesn't kill that offense. It hasn't been a good offense anyway, and Joe Flacco is not a good quarterback. That is true. Anybody else in the rushing before we move on? Oh, yeah. I wanted to throw out the Raiders and, you know, Josh Jacobs, obviously. Um, Oakland actually has the best remaining um, running back strength to schedule, according to our adjusted fantasy points allowed. Their, their next eight games, they have five positive matchups, three neutral matchups, 
And four of those five positive matchups are against teams ranked bottom four in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. It's two games left against the Chargers, one game against the Bengals, one game against the Chiefs. So that shoulder injury Jacobs is fighting through, we'll have to monitor that. But I think the rookie could be in for a pretty big second half. Yeah, you should feel good if you have him. Good luck trying to trade for him if you're looking at that possibility. On right. passing schedules, the Jaguars stand out. Houston in Week 9 is an obviously good matchup. But then at the end of the season, from Weeks 13 to 16, they have the Bucks, the Chargers, they're at the Raiders, and at the Falcons. At least three of those look like high upside spots for whoever's playing quarterback at that point and DJ Chark, and if he's healthy, D.D. Westbrook. Yeah, and that's the question here is, and honestly, it's a, I think it's a good question. Are the Jags going to go back to Nick Foles, who is eligible to return after that Week 10 bye? I don't know. I mean, Minshew has obviously been mostly good. He's had some down spots, but he's been mostly good. Jacksonville also gave Nick Foles a, a pretty big contract, though, so I wouldn't be shocked if they go back to Nick Foles. Um, yeah, Foles is someone I, I actually added in a couple of the two quarterback leagues. I mean, just a stash because, again, if he does take back over, and with that schedule, you know, he, he's a guy who's going to be useful down the stretch. Yeah, I think Foles is a good stash. I would be surprised if they sit Minshew, though, just because Foles is back. Unless he just, yeah. you know, has this awful outing. Because he's he's absolutely at least been good enough for them to say, maybe we have our quarterback of the future. And if that's the case, then why not stick with that guy? I, I don't think the money that they paid for Nick Foles you know, it is a good reason to go away from a rookie who's playing well to a veteran who's been okay at best in his career. Yeah, I could definitely see it being the case where, you know, as soon as Foles is, is back and ready to go, that Minju keeps the job. But as soon as he, you know, ha- struggles a bit, I-, I could see him going back to Foles, I guess. Or it could just turn into a Brady v. Bledsoe situation. We'll see. Yeah, it could, it could. Elsewhere, the Bucks are a neutral matchup at Seattle this week. But ahead of that, they still have Arizona, they have at Atlanta, they finish the fantasy season at Detroit, and then home for Houston. The Bucks' bye is already gone. Even though we're coming off of two straight bad Jameis Winston outings, it's a nice time to own Jameis Winston in fantasy, I think. Jameis Winston is playing so poorly, but he, he's still putting up fantasy numbers because, you know, he he gets the garbage time, they're they're passing because they're behind because he's thrown these interceptions. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's frustrating to watch, but you sort of look at the the numbers at the end of the day and he's, he's getting it done. And I also think there's just, there, there's no one in Tampa that, that the Bucks are going to bench Jameis Winston for this season. So I think, I think he's pretty safe to finish out the season as a starter. Yeah. And Arians, Bruce Arians is in his first year as the coach, as opposed to Dirk Cutter, who's trying to keep the team from firing him. So I agree. There's no reason for them to go away from Winston. They're not looking at Blaine Gabbert to see if he's the quarterback of the future. So I say you start Jameis, you don't watch any of his games, and he'll ultimately help you this season. Yep, exactly. Panthers, we talked about their quarterback situation. Whenever Cam Newton comes back, assuming he gets the starting job, and I do think that he'll get the starting job when he's back because Kyle Allen has not played as well as Gardner Minshew, and Cam Newton is the guy there. It's not like we've seen Cam Newton struggle for two years, and now they finally got a better answer. You know, he had a a sluggish start to this season and finished last season hurt, but a healthy Cam Newton is still the guy. So if he's back in time, they get the Falcons in week 11. They get the Falcons again in week 14. They have Washington in week 13. So if you can stash Cam Newton, that might be a good guy to have around. Yeah, it should be stashed in all two quarterback leagues, deeper one quarterback leagues. I think, you know, we already know Newton's out for week nine. 
the fact that he was rolled out so early in the week makes me think he's not going to be back for week 10. But I think if you're a Newton owner, you, you got to be hoping he's ready for that week 11 game against the Falcons. And I think, you know, he'd be a guy who would carry risk in his first game back. But the matchup, I think, would probably land him in the top 12 quarterbacks in my rankings. And if you're a Drew Brees owner who has a chance to stash Cam Newton right now, that week 14 meeting against the Falcons could be exactly what you need to have a championship set of quarterbacks. Love it. Anybody else on the passing front? I had Jacoby Brissett written down here. Um, yeah, I mean, he. we've talked about him, and he did sort of take that step back last week after, you know, throwing all those touchdowns. But he still has three really nice spots on the schedule. He, here's another guy who could be a breeze filling for you. Um, Brissett gets Miami in Week 10. He gets uh, Houston Week 12, and he gets Tampa Bay in Week 14. So, again, uh, that uh, breeze game against the Niners, you could use Brissett as a fill-in for that spot. Nice. Let's finish things out with streaming defenses, as we always do on the Monday-Tuesday pod. For week nine, there are a bunch of options available in week nine. You can kind of pick your favorite depending on what you need. My first target, though, would be Cleveland because they are at Denver this week for that Brandon Allen debut. Then they're home against Buffalo, home against Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh hasn't been a great matchup for team defenses so far. But Mason Rudolph absolutely gives them the potential to be a terrific matchup in any particular game and the Browns then get Miami the week after that. So if they work out for you over that four week stretch, you could also use them beyond that. They have another meeting with the Steelers plus home games with the Bengals and Cardinals late. Yeah. I'm I'm glad you pointed out that Brown schedule. I'm going to go try to grab them in a bunch of leagues. I I like those upcoming matchups. Yeah. It's a good week for streaming defenses, lots of options. I was surprised to see the Broncos available in almost 80% of ESPN leagues on the other side of that uh, matchup against the Browns. Cleveland's been a positive matchup for, opposing D's this season they've allowed the 12th most sacks they actually have the second most turnovers and you know the Broncos at home for that game so I think they're a nice spot start play I like it anybody else uh, I mean I mean Jets against Miami um I think that the Seahawks we talked about them as we were doing our rankings this morning I think they're the risk reward play of the week they're at home for the Bucks. if we get another bad Jameis Winston game you know Seattle will be a nice play but you know there's always a chance Winston has a good Winston game and you know that that would make it tough on Seattle yeah I think similarly the Cowboys are a risk reward type a on the road against the Giants this week. I, I, I'm i turned off of them, though, because we already mentioned a couple of teams that look like multiple-week solutions. The Cowboys, right. even if they work out against the Giants, beyond that, they get Minnesota, then they're at Detroit, at New England. So at best, you're getting a one-week answer in Dallas. Yeah, so I would definitely prioritize Cleveland, Denver, and the Jets over the Cowboys. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to check out our updated rest of the way rankings, as well as our Week 9 projections. Hit the site Wednesday as well. You will be able to find our latest buy-sell-hold report, which will take into account a lot of this remaining schedule stuff that we've talked about on here today. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schauf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 